Thank you. I was thinking they might want to do another one. I don't know. <laughs> like that song, Graves in the Gardens. What great, great song, a reminder of God's power to take what was dead and turn it to life. It's incredible. You know, last Sunday, um, Kathy and I reflect, reflected on uh, our time on vacation at the beach, and uh, we heard uh, lots of uh, good response of how that was received and how it spoke. Uh, I guess living over here on the coast, we kind of can relate a lot to the seashore type deal. So our lessons from the beach has been expanded to another week. We're going to do that uh, again with some more reflections um, uh, together today. Uh, you know, there are, there are things that are at the beach that remind, that remind us of God's greatness and His goodness, and things that are just incredible, like the vastness of the ocean. As you stand there on the shore and you look at how, how wide and deep and powerful it is and mysterious and dangerous it can be, um, all, you know, wrapped into this one huge, massive thing that brings you peace and comfort, but also can be very terrifying, especially like when a hurricane's brewing or something like that offshore. Um, I think about how the majesty of the ocean uh, reminds me of, of um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Remember the C.S. Lewis children's book that, that he wrote, and there's a, there's a scene in there where uh, Lucy, the little girl who discovers the wardrobe the first time, she's meeting with Mr. Beaver. If you don't know the story, you've got to get it, or at least watch it on DVD. But um, he, she's having this conversation with Mr. Beaver, and, and he's talking about Aslan. And Aslan said, well, who is Aslan? He said, well, Aslan is a lion. And she says, a lion? Is he dangerous? And, and Mr. Beaver laughs and says, of course he's dangerous. He's a lion, but he's good. And I think about the, the majesty and breadth of the ocean and how powerful and awe-inspiring and how much you have to respect it and yet it is so full of peace and brings us comfort. It is good as well as overwhelming. So that reminds me of God's power and His majesty right there in front of you as you watch it ebb and flow. And sometimes as you watch it white cap off in a distance and, and crash on the shore. So you have this wonderful reminder of God's majesty in front of you in the ocean. And then, then you have uh, the sun that is in this absolutely unrelenting gaze on you. And if you're like me and you're fair-complected... It has no mercy on you, no matter if you're putting 50 SPF or you're using Sherwin-Williams flat white paint and you're covering your body, somehow you're going to get sunburned. And um, those of you that, that are like me, your feet always get sunburned. It doesn't matter how many times you apply, you come home with red feet. And, um, and that's me. Can I get a witness? Chip. <laughs> I, know, I know. I heard stories already. Uh, this, it's, it's incredible. But you, you cannot get away from this gaze of this... Of the sun, it reminds me of that scene in The Lion King when little Simba is looking at King Mufasa, his father, you know, and he says, he says, you know, Dad, how far does our kingdom reach? And he says, everything the light touches is our kingdom. Everything the light touches. Everything the light touches and beyond is that that which belongs to God. In this unrelenting gaze, God sees all. Nothing escapes his vision. Nothing escapes his touch and his warmth. But it also has to be respected. We have to pay attention to how powerful that is. There's, uh, then there's the sand. That wonderful, wonderful sand that gets everywhere. And it gets in places that you don't want it to get. 
And it touches things you don't want it to get in. And you taste it and you feel it and you get in bed at night and you find it again. It's just everywhere. And sometimes it ends up in your swimsuit where you really don't want it. And it reminds me again of God's love. God's love is everywhere. It's inescapable, especially when you go to the beach. It is inescapable and it's powerful. Psalm 139 actually speaks to this. In verses 17 and 18, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. Your number of thoughts. Can you imagine how powerful it is? God has more thoughts toward you than grains of sand. I mean... I was just at the beach, so, you know, you pick up sand all the time. You mess with it. You move it around. You're shoveling it. You're getting it off of you. You're brushing. And you get a handful of sand. You say, okay, each grain of sand, I'm going to try to have a thought towards someone I love. And, and I'm going to pick one off every time. You'll never get to the bottom of your handful of sand. And that the, the beach is covered with it. And Scripture tells us that God has more thoughts toward you than, than the grains of sand. Powerful imagery. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, if I run and hide or if I stand and praise Him, God sees me and is thinking of me. His thoughts to you are amazing. His grace surrounds you and it envelops you and you may not even be aware. You see, you and I exist because God is conscious of us. If he stops thinking of you, then we cease to exist. It's because we are in his mind and he has put all things into order. He recognizes we're here and that's what gives us life to continue. It helps us to move on because God is aware of us all the time. He is aware uh, of you and your thoughts and your feelings and your doubts and your fears. And the number of thoughts toward you outnumber grains of sand. That is what an overwhelming Thought. I remember being in high school and reading this for the first time and how I was just like, oh my goodness. God really does know me. He really is aware of me. And He is you too. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. So the next time you're, you're sitting there with your toes in the water, toes in the sand, not a wordy in the world, ice cold drink in your hand, Y'all know Zach Brown, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I preached this at the traditional, and I didn't have near the response. Um, I don't know why. But I want you just to imagine, you don't have to worry. Because God knows you, and He's watching over you. He is mindful of you. Even when you think He's forgotten Him. Maybe when you've forgotten that God is watching you, He has not forgotten you. He is mindful of you. And he believes in you every day. This same God that created the beauty of the heavens and the earth, that put the mountains in their place and the beach, and the same God that tells the ocean where to stop at the tides, to not overwhelm us, reminds us of his love, and that it is insurmountable with the sand on the seashore. Psalm 46 is... Um, frequently noted as the, uh, the psalm that inspired Martin Luther to, to write the hymn, um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Um, he wrote the hymn in 1529, so it's been a minute since that came out. 
He wrote the hymn the same year that Vienna was released from the Turkish siege, and that may have been part of why it spoke so deeply to him, that him really spoke into his life. And the psalm writes this way. It reads, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And then he tells us why. He says, look, therefore, because that, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, I don't have to fear because God is my refuge and my strength. I love this. Even if the earth gives way and the mountains fall, even though the waters roar and foam and churn and stir up, we do not have to have fear. Some versions say He is our refuge and our defense. He is our protector. He is the one that surrounds us, indicating that God is is always with us. The first verse of Luther's hymn, uh, A Mighty Fortress, says this. It says, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. It will never give way. It's impenetrable. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Knowing that the evil one is there to come against us all the time, and we can't take him on by ourselves. That's why God is our fortress. He is our bulwark. He is what stands against this thing. At the time of creation, God has shown that he is mightier than all the monsters of chaos that exist. He has established dominion forever in this world, and nothing about it will ever change. The earth will shake the mountains will totter, they will fall into the sea, the earth, I mean the ocean will roar and crash and seethe and, and, and be threatening, uh, threatened to submerge the whole world, but it will not, we do not have to fear because it will not, because God is our defense. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. We fear not because God is the Lord of hosts and He dwells with us. Verse 4 through 7 of Psalm 46 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her in that place. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of our forefathers, Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, it is the God of all creation. He's saying, he's pulling us back into history and saying that God then is the same God now. The things that make glad the city of God is not the river that's flowing through it, but it is the presence of the Most High. It's the fact that God is there that makes it joyful. In the presence, the city will not fall. In the presence of God, it will not fail. Even when the attack is at the break of day. You know, the time of day when you least expect it. When you're not prepared, your face isn't washed, your teeth aren't brushed, you're not dressed, you're not ready. You can't go anywhere, but His presence is there to protect during the, the most vulnerable times. When all the world is asleep, our God is watching over us. And He is faithful. Verse 3 of Luther's him says this 
And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. Mm, Kind of a threatening verse, isn't it? He says, we will not fear for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. We read the end of the book, right? One little word shall fell him. One little word. The prince of darkness thinks he's got us, but God is with us. The river in this verse and in these passages is, is not referring to the end times, although it could, could be. It's not necessarily referring to something in heaven one day down the road, but it could be. A river of life, a river of joy. But it is really referring to the life-giving fountain of God's presence that is with us now. That is here with us now. I don't know about you, but there are places in nature that, that I feel really close to God. I sense His presence more powerfully than other places. Sometimes it's standing along a riverbank or a pond, casting a line and fishing. I just find myself at peace and at ease. And, and the breeze comes up and blows and it's like I feel the, the hand, hand of God fanning me and cooling me off. And I just sense the closeness to God there. Some people, it's, it is sitting in the sand uh, along the beach and you feel the sunshine, you feel its warmth and you hear the sounds of the waves and the comfort of that soft sand and cool water around you. And it, and it is life-giving. It restores your soul. It's a reminder that God is in control and I don't have to be. For some, it's, it's coming to worship on Sunday morning. Maybe it's here, maybe it's in the sanctuary, maybe it's an altar. It might be your porch, your patio with a cup of coffee or tea and you're, you're sitting there and you just sense God's presence with you and it's a safe place. And knowing that you, you know that you know that you know in those places that God is with you. And He surrounds you and He speaks to you. And He pours into you. He is your protector. He is your guide. He is your friend. Verse 2 of A Mighty Fortress goes this way. And I did them in different order on purpose. Because it says this. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be. That's 1529 talking. Dost ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name, from age to age the same. And He must win the battle. And we know He does. You see, our, our world, though, has this idea that in order to get to heaven, you just got to not do anything wrong or not do very many bad things. But way back in the dawn of history, there was a couple, Adam and Eve, messed up. And because of the ability and, and, what, and the choices they made, it infected us all so that even when we're born, we are born in need of a Savior. We are born in sin. We're born broken. And we may be look innocent and helpless and that we haven't done anything wrong, but we have to get out of our mind that I haven't messed up that made me need Jesus. I was born this way. 
But see, God in all his love and his grace and his kindness to us, he is such a loving God. He said, I don't want to leave you abandoned. I don't want you to think that there's no hope for you. Because God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to go there. And he says, but we're all destined that way. Romans tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That doesn't say once you turn 12 and beyond, you fall in and fall short. It's no. When you took your first breath, when they held you up by your ankles and went on your behind, you needed Jesus. You probably needed it before then, but you just didn't know. But welcome to the world, right? Kicking and screaming. But God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross to forgive you of your sins. He didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to tell you that you're going to hell. He came to tell you there's a way to heaven. And that is what a loving God does. He says, I'm not telling you how you're going bad. I'm telling you how to find the good. And that is the truth of God. His, we can't do it on our own. In my own strength, I can't confide. I must lean on someone else, and that is on Jesus Christ. The word to the prince of darkness is the, the word of love from God, that he loves you, that he sent his son to save you. And love is God's bulwark. It is the impenetrable defense that will save you forever. It is the river of peace and renewal that comes to you. That's why when you give your life to Christ, a peace overflows you because your hope is fulfilled. I don't have to worry about my tomorrow. I don't have to worry about my eternity because I have found my hope in Jesus. I have found my peace in him. He is my Savior. I can't do it myself. He is the Savior. And so in Psalm 46, the psalmist writes, he says, Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations He has brought on the earth. And that's an interesting phrase. The desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. That's the desolation. It's the accumulation pileup of all the weapons. They're just going to be burned because and, and, we don't need them anymore. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, desolation never starts a war, but it is always evident at the end. There's always destruction, death and destruction of his enemies. Of Jesus' enemy is what the Lord's final work is. And when that, he will say, we won't study war no more. You remember the old spiritual? We won't have to have war anymore. You guys in the army, man, we're going to put you out of business. We won't have a need for it anymore unless it's just to pass out stuff. Wouldn't that be awesome? He says, we don't need that anymore because in the end, the destruction will be sure. It will be done and peace will reign on this earth. The psalmist already sees the idea of, of a warless age that is already present. See, the hope has already come. The king has already come. The final advent has come and the Lord sits king forever and he invites us to do what we do the best when we put our toes in the sand and in the water and we go to the beach and it's to be still. He says, come and be still and know that I'm God. Be still and, and know that I'm here with you. But here's the truth, two things. Two things that we know about doubt. 
One is that tension produced by modern life is increasing. Anybody feel stressed on a weekly basis, daily basis? It rises up. We are fighting tension all the time. The second thing is that each of us has a breaking point. Tension is rising, and we all have a breaking point. And some of us do better than others at at this breaking point thing. But this means that unless we learn how to ease our tension, it will break us. We cannot escape this fact. Therefore, the devices for coping are on the rise. They're advertised. Our world is even offering coping devices around us. Everything from aspirin to alcohol. I watch TV. I see the ads. There's things, everything from from trying a new hobby or a new exercise routine, because everybody knows if you run harder, lift more, look better, do CrossFit, whoop, whoop, lose 47 and a half pounds, then you'll all feel better and you'll be happy, right? That'll release the tension until you do it for a week and you step on the scale and nothing's changed, and then your tension rises. The, The vacations and, oh, if you just come here or do this or buy this, there's all this hope of of releasing our tension that doesn't necessarily work. But the advertising is endless. But still, the figures tell us that our broken minds are still rising at an alarming rate. The people that have to have medication to help them cope. Any depressants. Any anxieties. Sleep aids. All these things because we're stressed. You're feeling that tension and have not yet broken. And maybe we need to heed the words of this ancient psychotherapist in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Cast your cares upon me. Breathe in, breathe out. Be still and know that I am your strength and your defense. Unfortunately, some of us are good at being still, but we're not good at or even interested in recognizing that God's with us. His grace is all around us. The beauty of the earth surrounds us. The sunrise, the sunset, the gentle breeze, the showers of rain. Booming thunder, reminding us that He is here. Be still and know that I am God. So wherever your place, take a look around. Take a look around. Where will you go when the mountains tremble? When the sea foams and swells and churns in your life? Where will you go when the tempest the tempers rise and the tensions overwhelm you and you're about to explode, you're about to lose it. Jesus says, come and see what the Lord has done. Come and see the battle He has won for you. Come and see the truth that triumphs and gives victory as He whispers in your ear, I love you. I see you. I forgive you. I have a plan for you. I have a place for you. You are mine. Will you come home? Will you trust me? Will you let me protect you? Will you let me provide for you? Will you let me be with you? His grace is all around. Will you open up to embrace it today? Let's pray.
Father, we are truly grateful for your love and kindness, for the way you fill our hearts with joy. You focus us on so many things and we get distracted by so many others. We see the world turning all around us and churning. And all you're asking is that we just take a deep breath, breathe in and breathe out. To breathe in a breath of your Holy Spirit and breathe out our worries and concerns. Father, you offer your peace all around us. Meet us where we are right now. Come into our space right now and fill us with your generous hope, with your sweet salvation, with your joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and join us for our closing song.